Hello and welcome to the Father's House Church. We're so glad that you're here. We hope that you feel blessed by today's message from our lead pastor, Greg Fraser. Hallelujah. Well, today is Pentecost Sunday, as you heard during worship. And uh, this is a Pentecost just means 50, and it's 50 days after um, Easter or after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's so many correlations, guys, between the Jewish faith and the Christian faith, uh, the Jewish faith actually celebrates on this day as well. And it's uh, the, called the Feast of Weeks or Sukkoth, I think it's what it's, uh, how it's pronounced. And uh, if I got that wrong for all you Jewish people, please forgive me. Uh, sorry, it's Shavuot. That's what it is, Shavuot. And uh, what they're celebrating is the giving of the law of Moses and they're giving of the, they're, they're celebrating, the Jewish people are celebrating the taking in of the grain harvest this time of year. And so what's so interesting, because we celebrate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit uh, upon the church, which is to bring in the harvest of souls. Amen? And, and, in the, and for the Jewish people, they're, they're celebrating the giving of the law of Mount Sinai, the giving of the Torah and the Ten Commandments. And we're celebrating the giving of the fact, you understand that God has shifted covenants between the old and the new. In the Old Testament, people were right with God by obeying the law. In the New Covenant, we're right with God by trusting in what the finished work of Jesus Christ is and being empowered by His Spirit in order to live moral lives. Wow, what a parallel and incredible thing that God is doing. So back in the day, we're in Acts, of course, we're in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 uh, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit has happened this day of Pentecost. The first one uh, happened some 2,000 years ago, and uh, incredible things start to happen. 3,000 Jewish people converted uh, from the old to the new covenant under Christ, and look at what's happening in the church. This is incredible. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer, day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Guys, this was like the... the the high point of the church. This is like one mind under the apostles' teaching, one heart fellowshipping together, one purpose. Man, if, you know, if Jesus came back and raptured the church at that moment, we would have like gotten an A-plus check mark. Everything would have went great. Like, you know, just like if you understand, this is leaders and followers together in perfect unity, living and loving in mutual submission, like a perfect marriage, perfect unity, perfect perfect harmony, idyllic, heavenly, no problems, no stress, anybody's marriage like that? No. You see, there was a honeymoon phase for the church, guys, the honeymoon period. <laughs> There's a couple guys that turned to their wife, ours is like that, isn't it, honey? Yeah, no, you're okay, you're okay. There was a honeymoon period for the church where everything seemed awesome. But aren't you glad that the Bible doesn't hide its warts? You're the warts, by the way. God is not the wart in this equation. 
But what I mean by that is that we see the tension and the stress that starts to happen as the church starts and tries to live in unity. And this is the command of God, the call of God in our lives and in your life. We're leaving the honeymoon stage and we're entering into the reality of the strain of doing life together. Things that come to test our unity. Hallelujah. And that's what we're going to look at today. I'm going to pray because I'm going to need help. Hallelujah, Jesus. Lord, you are good. You are good. You are good. And today as I look at how a leaders led the church in unity and how unity was strained and how we can pull it back together, Father. Lord Jesus, give me just incredible ability to communicate your message. And I pray for each one of us in this room. Holy Spirit, help us to know where we maybe have strained unity. Help us to know how to pull things back together in every area of our life where we are required to have unity. We pray for you to give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive and respond to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so I talked about Acts chapter 2, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Thousands of Jews are converting to Christianity. Uh, The high times, but suddenly the church starts to go through the strains of doing life together. And, 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 And now, all of a sudden, we're in Acts chapter 12, 13, 14, and the Gentiles start to come in. Never mind the Jews trying to live together, but then the irreligious heathen, they call them in the text we're about to read, are coming in to be part of the body of Christ. Okay, so that's all the stuff leading up to what I'm about to read in Acts chapter 15. I'm going to read a large portion of the text. I'm going to put it up on the screen. Thanks, Landon, for doing that. Amazing. Uh, Because I want you to read it along with me in the Message Bible because I want you to get the passion I want you to get the emotion behind this text as the church lives in unity. Let's read. You don't have to read. You can listen. It wasn't long before some Jews showed up from Judea insisting that everyone be circumcised. And all the men said, no, that's not in there. If you're not circumcised on the the Mosaic fashion, you can't be saved. Paul and Barnabas were on their feet at once in fierce protest. The church decided to resolve the matter by sending Paul and Barnabas and a few others to put it before the apostles and leaders in Jerusalem. When they got to Jerusalem, Paul and Barnabas were graciously received by the whole church, including the apostles and leaders. They reported on their recent journey and how God had used them to open things up to the outsiders. Some Pharisees stood up to say their piece. They had become believers, but continued to hold to the hard party line of the Pharisees. You have to be circumcised. You have to circumcise the pagan converts, they said. You must make them keep the law of Moses. The apostles and leaders called a special meeting to consider the matter. The arguments went on and on, back and forth, getting more and more heated. Then Peter took the floor. Friends, 
you well know that from early on, God made it quite plain that he wanted the pagans to hear the message of this good news and embrace it. And not in any secondhand or roundabout way, but firsthand, straight from my mouth. And God, who can't be fooled by any pretense on our part, but always knows a person's thoughts, gave them the Holy Spirit exactly as he gave him to us. He treated the outsiders exactly as he treated us, beginning at the very center of who they were and working from that center outward, cleaning up their lives as they trusted and believed him. So why are you now trying to out-God God? Loading these new believers down with rules that crushed our ancestors and crushed us too. Don't we believe that we are saved because the Master Jesus, amazingly, out of his sheer generosity, moved to save us just as he did from those uh, from beyond our nation? So what are we arguing about? There was dead silence. No one said a word. With the room quiet, Barnabas and Paul reported matter-of-factly on the miracles and wonders God had done uh, among the other nations through their ministry, the silence deepened and you could hear a pin drop. James broke the silence. Friends, listen. Simeon has told us the story of how God at the very outset made sure that the racial outsiders were included. This is in perfect agreement with the words of the prophets. After this, I'm coming back. I'll rebuild David's ruined house. I'll put all the pieces together again. I'll make it look like new so outsiders who seek will find so they will have a place to come to all the pagan peoples included in what I'm doing. God said it. Now he's doing it. It's no afterthought. He's always known he would do this. So here is my decision. We're going to we're not going to unnecessarily burden non-Jewish people who turn to the master. We'll write them a letter and tell them, be careful to not get involved in activities connected with the idols, to guard the morality of sex and marriage. Do not serve food offensive to Jewish Christians with blood in it, for instance. This is basic wisdom from Moses preached and honored for centuries now in city after city as we have met and kept the Sabbath. Everyone agreed. Apostles, leaders, all the people. They picked Judas named Barsabbas and Silas. They both carried considerable weight in the church and sent them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas with the letter. I didn't include the letter. They just reiterate everything that they've come to uh, which we'll talk about in a second. How many of you know that this is an essential moment in the early church? <laughs> if this moment had not happened, we probably would have had the first church split. We probably would have had a split between Jew and Gentile, and the very thing that Christ came to do to unite us, to bring us together in Him, would have been lost. And so I want to start by talking in this sermon about leadership, because I think this passage of Scripture has some of the greatest teaching on leadership and how leaders lead through crisis. And I'm going to tell you, every one of you has leadership in your life, whether it's in your home, 
in your marriage, in your workplace, of yourself. There are some principles here that we're going to learn of how they navigated through that could give us some understanding of how we can navigate through those things. And then we're going to look at how to maintain unity in our lives, in the church, in our workplaces, wherever. Is that fair? Well, just hang in there because we're going there anyway, so you might as well get along for the journey. Here we go. Um, How do leaders, how leadership and how leaders maintain unity? Here's the first thought from the text. They met privately to discuss. The text said the apostle and the leaders called a special meeting to consider the matter. Another version says the apostles and elders met privately to discuss the matter further. How many of you understand that every organization needs leadership? You you cannot function without leadership. If you want to watch the most disturbing video in the world, go online and type in your brain on woke and watch how a leaderless group of people try to navigate a meeting. That's all I'm going to tell you. You can look it up yourself. The Lord will speak to you. Um, Mom and dads, how many of you know there are things you should not discuss in front of your kids that you should discuss alone first? Amen? Amen. And there are times, guys, when, you know, we see today that kids are ruling homes. That's not God's order or plan. We're seeing it in the school system today. Are kids meant to lead the classroom? No. (laughs) In case you didn't know, we have an election tomorrow. I don't know if I've mentioned that. (laughs) Okay. God bless our teachers. That's all I can say. There are times when leaders have to meet privately to discuss issues. Here's the second thing. They spoke their position and listened to one another. Now, I'm being very polite. The text put it this way. The arguments went on and on, back and forth, getting more and more heated. Now, (laughs) how many of you know it's okay to wrestle through some challenges sometimes when you're going through a a very important issue? How many of you know there are differing opinions even between husband and wife at times? Do you know the first question I ask married couples when they're making a decision, the very first question I ask is this, are you in unity? That's my number one question. It's not one person saying, we're going this way and she better come along or... No, it's if you're not in unity, you need to press the pause button. Amen? Okay, it's the number one thing I say. But they're wrestling, they're wrestling. I'm, I'm gonna tell you, just as an example, our leadership team with men and women on it, we don't always agree on everything. And we have wrestles at times. We have conversations at times. But I'm going to tell you what is so powerful about your leadership team. Stuff never leaves there until we're unified. It's awesome, you guys. I don't ever go into the congregation and have people saying, well, so-and-so, the elder said that you guys weren't really agreeing at at the meeting. Never once has that happened here. How many of you know that's amazing? And I'm going to tell you, I don't have yes men and yes women on that board. They're fierce. Amen? They can hold their own. 
And I'm going to tell you, this is the most beautiful thing I'm going, to, it's, I'm going to tell you about our leadership team. When we approach a topic that's heated, we either re, we leave with a yes or a no, but if there's still disagreement, you know what we've discovered? It's usually the answer is not yet. Because I know they all love the Lord and we all want God's will. And oftentimes, even if when we're still not quite unified, it's just that we haven't quite come to the right time for that moment to happen in history. And I'm going to tell you what a powerful thing it is to lead that kind of group of people. It's incredible. They listen to one another. They listen to one another. And then here's the third thought. They submitted to the wisdom of the Holy Spirit and to one another. The text said Peter took the floor. He said, why are you trying to out-God God? Loading these new believers down with rules that crushed our ancestors and crushed us also. So what are we arguing about? You know, it's incredible. Peter spoke and brought God's thoughts and wisdom on the subject. Then, I want you to get the, the order here. Peter, who's called, kind of like the head of the church, speaks first. You following me? Then Paul and Barnabas speak about what God's doing. And then James, who scholars believe was the pastor of the Jerusalem church. So do you see the order of leadership here? Bam, bam, bam. Peter, Paul and Barnabas, James in unity speaking together. And then James lays it out. Here's my decision. We're not going to unnecessarily burden non-Jewish people who turn to the master. Everyone agreed, apostles, leaders, and all the people. Church, you know, even in a church our size, and we're not a huge church, but we're not a small church. We're, we're very much a middle-sized 500, 600 people. There are times when people will have an agenda or a thought and they'll say, well, I'm going to promote my thought, which may not represent the leadership of this church. And so in the past, we've had people start Bible study groups at their house and invite people from the church. And we've had to say, what, what are you guys teaching? Well, that's none of your business. Okay, then who is in your group? because we're going to tell them that this is not sanctioned by our church. You can do whatever you want. I'm not trying to control anybody, but don't misrepresent. We had somebody that, you know, this is the heartbreaking thing for a pastor. This is not recent, by the way. It was in the past where they're teaching something that opposed what we were teaching. And what ended up happening was a new believer came to their class and left the church. Now, those people left our church as well, but they just went to another church. That new believer is no longer going to church. That's serious stuff. <laughs> Amen? And so we understand that the weight that is on leadership church here, hallelujah, they submitted to the Word of God. I love how James brings in the Word. He says, guys, this agrees with the Word. This agrees with the Word. This is what the Word says. Amen? It's not just opinion. How many have opinions today? All of us. Right? What does the Word say? What does the Word say? What does the Word say? 
Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. Permission or not, I'm preaching, but I'm thank you for the permission. <laughs> they emerged unified and with one voice. This is what you want to be as a family and as a people and as a church. Again, everyone agreeing. Apostles, leaders, and all the people. It's interesting in the letter, they correct the errant leaders who claim to represent the truth. They said, these people went out not from us, and they claimed to represent us, but they weren't from us. How many of you want to read that letter and your name's written in it? Mm. No, no, thank you very much. They emerged as a completely unified verse. They sent a representation from the Jerusalem church to validate the letter. As a leader, I've had people say to me at times, well, so-and-so said I could do this, and I, so-and-so said that? Yes. So when I call so-and-so and say, I've never heard of this guy and what he's telling you. Okay, well, I guess there's no validation to that. Are you following me? This is the hard work of leadership. Is everybody hearing what I'm saying? How many of you are in leadership in some area of your life? You are the most endangered species on planet Earth right now, right? You really are. Who wants to lead today? You've got to be crazy to run for politics. God bless you if you're running for politics. That's all I can say. Pastor, <laughs> you're kind of going crazy here. Okay, I'm just preaching from the Word. Hang in there. I love this. The simple instructions of the letter were this. They reduced the over 600 Old Testament laws and said these to these three suggestions. Avoid idols... Avoid sexual immorality, and don't serve food that is offensive to other believers when they're present in your presence. There you go. Can we all do that? Amen? Okay, okay. <laughs> Moving right along, Pastor. Hallelujah. How many of you want to be leaders now? You're already there. To the elders among you, this is what Peter said about leaders. I appeal to you, fellow elders and witnesses of Christ's sufferings who will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock under your care. Watch over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Church, pray for your leadership team. Pray for them. Pray for your politicians pray for your leaders god i thank god for our leadership team marion agri and doug fraser and richard himshoot and luke inberg and jim sandmeyer and steve breikreitz these are men and women of god who serve you diligently richard for goodness sake this year 30 years he has served as an elder in this church 30 years Hallelujah. And pray for your deacons, Betty Turin and Jackie and Beth Pagurney and Charles Graham and Janet Reed. These people are, in, not, we're not paying them. They're just here to serve and to serve and to say we're going to get these ministries going and we're going to be adding more people in these roles and positions. We're so grateful for our leaders. Amen. Well, church, I'm not going to I'm just going to tell you how it is, the reality of how hard maintaining unity is. 
God's word is so profound and powerful. Look at the very next verse that happens in Acts chapter 15. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of God and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not been continuing with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. (laughs) This is the very next verse. After this incredible wrestle in unity. I mean, guys, think about this. This is the Paul or the Barnabas who went looking for Paul when no one else would. This is the Barnabas who stood by Paul when the rest of the believers didn't believe in his conversion. This is the Barnabas who walked and worked with Paul and took him on these ministry adventures together. And this is the Barnabas, is not, his name means son of encouragement. And I'm going to tell you something, He's, he lived up to his name. He would not abandon young John Mark because he had made a mistake. But he chose instead to say, Paul, you're wrong. And I'm going to stand with this young man. You say, well, who was right, Pastor Greg? Well, Paul did go on to write 13 of the 27 New Testament books. But in this instant, I think Paul was wrong. And you're going to say, well, how do you substantiate that? good question. According to the Word of God. You see, at the end of his life, Paul's in prison, and this is the request he sends to his spiritual son, Timothy, after everyone else has abandoned him in the ministry. Check out what he says, 2 Timothy 4.11. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Wow. Mark, the guy I said, you, you loser, you can't come on the ministry anymore. You don't qualify anymore. Now what is he saying? Barnabas must have done his work with John Mark because now the Apostle Paul says, oh man, bring Mark. Bring Mark who reminds me of Barnabas. Bring Mark who, who doesn't give up on me anymore, who made a mistake but God turned things around for him. Bring Mark to me. What a beautiful picture of the grace of God. Mark, the kid I rejected, is the one I want to be around. Church, I say that all to say this. Leaders are not perfect. If you expect them to be perfect, (sighs) sorry. (laughs) Stick around long enough. I will disappoint you. I guarantee it. And you say, well, pastor, don't, no, don't, don't put, Mrs. Agri loves me so much. I would say, Mrs. Agri, I can never fall off the pedestal you've put me on. But she's fierce with me sometimes too when I do things wrong. How many of you know we're not perfect? But we, t- we took the job and we said, Lord, we'll keep doing it. All throughout the Bible, we see this in the New Testament. Even Paul had to rebuke publicly the great apostle Peter. 
because he was turning and favoring the Jews over the Gentiles. Two groups of Jewish believers we read in Acts chapter 6 begin to fight over food distributed to the widows. In the book of Philippians, Paul is challenging the church to help two women deacons to get along because they're fighting. It's such an interesting study. You can look into it. There's a, there's a trial, there's a strengthening that has to happen for us to live in unity, church. You know, Psalm 133.1 tells us the beautiful blessing of unity. It talks about the oil of God running down Aaron's beard, who was the priest, the high priest at that time, covering the whole body right down the hem of his garment all the way to his, his feet. And it symbolizes saying, you know, when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, there God commands his blessings. How many would love to live under the commanded blessing of God? Can you imagine... <laughs> In a day and an age when everything is ripping at leadership, tearing down leadership, coming against it, even in churches, that if we can learn this idea of living together in unity, how God will bless us. You know, it talks about in Ephesians 4, you're called to travel the same road in the same direction. So stay together both outwardly and inwardly of one master, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who rules over all, works through all, and is president in all. Everything you are and think and do is permeated with oneness. How many want to live in that kind of oneness? Amen? Can I get an Amen. Okay, I'm going to tell you how to do it now. I set you up totally. Here we go. This is the front end of the verse I just read. Here it goes. As a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then it goes on and says, you are one faith, one God, one Father, one Baptist. Yay! He set us up. Pastor set us up. What's our calling that we've received? Church, just meditate on this for a minute. Your sins have been forgiven. Amen? They're gone. As far as the east is from the west, God has embraced you, paid the penalty for your sin, made you one with himself and one with other members of the body of Christ. Wow, wow, wow. That's the calling you've received. Amen? And then he says, now go and be ambassadors of the kingdom of God. Tell other people that I'm no longer angry with them for their sins, but I will forgive their sins and I will help them to change so they can be transformed to no longer live sinfully, but to be Christ-like, which is going to take a lifetime. Go and tell them the good news. Wow. So how do we do it, Pastor? Here we go. Be completely humble. (laughs) Humility is not thinking less about yourself and more about others. It's thinking accurately about yourself and others. Amen? It's knowing whose you are and who you are in Christ and who who they are as well. Because I know I'm in Christ. Because I know that I'm accepted. I know that I'm secure. I know that I'm significant. I know that Christ has called me. Christ has saved me. Christ has set me free. And he's chosen you to walk alongside with me. Hallelujah. 
That's the calling I've been given. I haven't earned it. I don't deserve it. I wouldn't have picked me, but God did. And He picked you. I wouldn't have picked some of you either. (laughs) But God did. Amen? And you're all gifts to the body of Christ. You're all gifts to the body of Christ. Even when we rub each other wrongly, the Bible says the wounds of a friend are faithful. Because becoming one is like (laughs) pieces of you are going to fly in every direction. Okay, be humble. Be gentle. Gentleness and meekness means power and control. It's a picture of a war horse in submission to its rider and the rider's command. It can be counted on in the midst of battle and can be controlled just with the rider's knees because the rider is busy chopping and hacking and shooting. This is the picture that we're to get. Gentleness is power. How many know that's a powerful word? Okay, just so you know, it is a big word. I'm going to tell you one of my greatest examples of gentleness. My brother Doug, who's not here. Um, My brother Doug, (laughs) you did not know him like I know him. I'm not exaggerating. He was the enforcer in his hockey team. Juvenile double-A, high-end hockey. He was a very strong and vicious fighter and had that fuse like a fighter. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, if you don't play hockey, you'll get it. So we're, now, we, now we get saved, and we're fishing one day, as brothers do, we're fishing. And I grew up Scottish, and we would resolve everything with fights. And then you just get up, wipe the blood off your nose, and say, you wanna play a game now? Like, that's how you did it, okay? I'm just I'm not saying it was right, Anyway, we did, he did something I didn't like, so I punched him on the boat, <laughs> expecting full well, I know what he's going to do now. We're about to have a wrestling match in the boat. And then he just looked at me, turned red in his face, and looked at me, and it just kept fishing. I was like, this guy's saved, man. Something has transformed this guy's life. Like, there's no, you doubt Jesus is real? Doug Fraser. Now he sits like a, he cries all the time in the front row whenever we talk about Jesus and the love of God. And oh, how many of God has changed him? Yeah. Amen. Be gentle. He's my picture of gentleness. Isn't, don't we need a little more gentleness with our families, with our co workers, with our pastor? Amen. Amen. Be patient. Have a long fuse, slow to burn, a long temper. The spirit of one who has power and the right to take revenge but never does. Be patient with one another. Bear one another in love. Jesus said, you will know you are my followers by your love for one another. You know, I grew up Catholic, as most of you know, and we used to, during the, when we would shake hands at times, this is back in the 70s, I'm that old. they, you know, the, the folk, 
young guy would get up with sandals on and he would start singing this old Catholic hymn. And I loved it. You know, it was a, we are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. We are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord. And together we're waiting and longing for unity to be restored. And they'll know we are Christians by our love. And they'll know we are Christians by... And I'd go around shaking hands and I thought, this is the greatest church in the world. <laughs> that was not true of everybody from that church. It wasn't flowers in our hair and sandals on our feet saying, I love you, man. No, I love you more, man. That was not it. You know what this word is, guys? The word bear one another in love? It's the word for labor, mums. It's the word for labor. It's gritting your teeth, bursting blood vessels in your head, and saying to one another, you are driving me crazy with your immaturity, but God said I had to love you. <laughs> I don't like you right now, but I will love you. How many of you know that takes some effort? Okay. How the lady said, amen, brother. Okay. <laughs> It's pushing and pushing through differences. I'm giving analogies here. Keep thinking about this like in marriage, like in long-term relationships. Bearing one another is absolutely necessary. Make every effort. It goes on, it says. Now, the, the tough news is I can't be humble, gentle, patient, or loving, Pastor Greg. So how am I going to do this? The last line is the key to the entire text. It says, keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. The bond of peace, what is that, Pastor Greg? The better question is, who is the bond of peace? Check this out. Isn't God's Word amazing? Ephesians 2.14. For He is Himself our peace, our bond of unity and harmony. He has made us both Jew and Gentile, one body, and has broken down, destroyed, and abolished the hostile dividing wall between us. The word bond means ligament. Do you know that your whole body is attached together with ligaments? Your muscle to your bone, all of them are connected. The hip bone connected to the... It's all the ligaments. It's the ligaments that hold them together. Are you guys following me? And how many have ever twisted an ankle... Okay, you know that terrible feeling of something pulling and straining when you're twisting an ankle? You know what that is? It's the ligament trying to pull the two bones back together. Amen? Thank God for that. Now, you know who the ligament in your relationship between you and your brothers and sisters in Christ is? Jesus. And Jesus is saying, guys, when you are discombobulated in disunity and broken down, I'm going to pull you back together. You cannot say and leave this place, well, I like those Christians, but I hate those ones. I'm just going to ignore them. Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Amen? He's saying, guys, I'm going to make you one. You know, there's a prayer that Jesus prayed 2,000 years ago, John chapter 17, the high priestly prayer. 
He said, Father, make them one as we are one. <laughs> they will know we are Christians by our love. That prayer is like the unending ocean wave pounding against your life. It will not yield. Forget Greg Fraser's words. Jesus Christ said it 2,000 years ago. Make them one, Father. Make them one, Father. Make them one, Father. Who wins that war? The rock or the wave? <laughs> Not the rock. Go to Newfoundland. You'll see what waves can do to rocks. Pastor, preach nicer next week. Okay. <laughs> okay. So here it is. Greg Fraser can't be humble, gentle, patient, or loving. So how do I do it? So here it is. You want to be humble and gentle? Stop working on trying to be humble and gentle and work on a deeper relationship with me. Look who is humble and gentle. Surprise, surprise, Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You need to learn patience, Hebrews chapter 4. Therefore, since we have such a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet did not sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. How many are glad Jesus is patient with you? And aren't you glad that he's partnered with you to help you to be patient with others? <laughs> you cannot, guys, you cannot be patient without the power of God and his Holy Spirit. You can't. You can't do it. So stop beating yourself up and say, Jesus, patient one, come and live in me and live through me in this situation. Amen? You need to be loving, church. Stop trying to be loving and just embrace the love of God. Look what 1 John 4.10 says. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Amen? Aren't you glad that Jesus is loving? Church, listen to me. You are bound to a God whose very nature is unity. Everything he does and thinks and says is permeated with oneness. My wife will attest to this in my life. I forgive people quickly. Why? I cannot handle the poison of unforgiveness. I, I don't have the strength to bear it. Even people who have wronged me badly, I say, Lord, I put them in your hands and I forgive them because I can't bear that, Lord. Amen? Yes. Church, listen. 
<laughs> I'm so weak, I need Jesus every moment of every day. Anybody else? You see, whenever Greg Fraser, now this works in every area of your life, not just the things of humility and gentleness and patience and love. Church, listen to me very carefully. Even in the sin issues that you're battling with, stop trying to fix it on your own. You must enter into a partnership with Jesus Christ. That's your only hope of deliverance. Amen? Lord, I, I'm, I'm in bondage to this thing in my life. I'm trying to fix it and it's not working. Would you come and partner with me and help me to be free? How many know sometimes you've got to go 70 times, seven times on that one issue before God finishes the work in you? Does God get impatient with you? Does God say, you dirty, rotten little sinner, I saved you and now you've got to fix yourself? Come on, man, get it up, get going. What are you doing? Loser. That's not God's voice if you've ever heard that, by the way. He never calls you loser. He calls you son or daughter. He calls you my beloved. <laughs> he says, you're worth so much I laid down my life for you. Stop striving. Start trusting. Amen. Margot had a word earlier just saying, the gentle whisper. God hears your prayers, guys. Just the gentle whisper. You can call upon him and bring him into that moment of temptation and trouble in your life. And he'll partner with you to overcome that thing. Amen? And if you stumble, you get back up. If you stumble again, you get back up. The Bible says a righteous man or woman falls seven times, but the Lord will help them up each time. Seven is the number of perfection. He will finish his work in you until it's perfected. God is so good, you guys. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thanks for joining us today. For more on our messages or information about our ministries, you can visit tfhchurch.ca. We hope you have a great week.